Hello, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. Well, it's been an awesome morning so far. You know, this building is, is such a special place that God has given us. It was built back in 1987, so uh, it is getting old, older than a lot of you out there. And it's such a wonderful place to be able to, to worship together, to do ministry out of, to meet for fellowship and connection. But it needs work. It needs to get fixed up and updated and up to code in certain areas and Things just wear out over time. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've had some people around the building working to fix things up, to, to bring things up to code or to repair HVAC units over the kids' area and, and different things like that. And um, I walked back one day and I saw all these tools laid out on, on the table. And uh, they were, I'm like, okay, I clearly know what brand of tool you like. Good old Milwaukee. And uh, so being able to see that there, it gave me so much confidence in the people doing the work. They had their tools. They were all there and ready. They were laid out in order. Those craftspeople knew exactly what each tool did, why they needed it, and why it was there. For me, I grab a few, a handful of tools for a job and end up running down to the basement five or six times to get different tools. But when people know the tools they have, they know the job at hand, and they even realize things may come up that they aren't expecting, they're still prepared to do the task. And so the, the jobs got done, the HVAC's working, the other things around the church have been upgraded and repaired, and the tools then go with the craftsperson, go with those doing their job. And God has given us tools that he wants us to use for life, for living for him, for carrying out the work of the ministry that he's created us to. And so today, we're going to talk about what those tools look like, talk about the purpose of them, and continue to realize that God has prepared us for what he's called us to do. Our big idea today is that we are prepared for ministry. We are prepared for ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 is going to be our, our verses, our key verses for today out of the, the ESV uh, translation of the Bible. The Word of God that is living and active. I want to encourage you to take out your Bible, whether you scroll on it or you open it up. Read it with us in your heart as I read these words aloud. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So in 2024, our word for the year is prepared. That's what God has given us to recognize the truth that we are prepared, but we are also being prepared. Like I said last week, it's the already and not yet of the kingdom of God, that we are already prepared for what God has for us, but we are continually, ongoingly being prepared every moment for what he has for us. And I don't know about you, but that gives me so much peace that it isn't up to my brains or my skills or my ability alone, but that God partners with us. He gives us the tools we need to accomplish what he's doing. 
And last week, as I shared the vision for the year, if you missed that sermon, check it out, whether through podcasts or YouTube or Facebook, check it out, listen to it. I want to encourage you because it kind of lays the template for the whole year that we have ahead of us. But I talked about four parts that God is going to call us into. And I encouraged you to to say, God, which one of these four things, these four M's are you leading me into? The first one was ministry and then mercy and the miraculous and then missions. So today through this whole month, in fact, we're going through those four M's. Today, we're focusing in on ministry. And I want to start out by talking about the power of ministry. Just like those tools were laid out, they were power tools, Those aren't hand tools in the sense of it's your own strength, but they're empowered to do more than the person using them could do on their own. It causes things to get done quicker, usually causes them to get done more effectively and more powerfully than without. And ministry is a powerful thing. It is a power tool that God has given us to walk through life with. So first I want to define ministry. What does that mean? Because when we think of ministry, a lot of times we think of this. I am called to ministry. I am in ministry. The pastor, he is the minister. In fact, that's even the term we use many times for the person up front talking, or the music minister, or the kids minister, or the youth minister. We just ascribe that title to the person. But ministry is not just that. That's a little part of ministry, But ministry is much bigger. The word ministry, the Greek word, actually means to serve tables or to wait tables. So if you've ever been a server, if you've ever worked fast food, if you've ever gone to a restaurant anywhere, you haven't encountered a minister. You have encountered or been a minister as you have waited on a table, served someone at a counter, or had someone serve you. They have been a minister. So it's this word that we kind of exalt and make it sound real fancy, a spiritual word of ministry, but we really should say waiter or waitress or server or McDonald's worker. You know, we we turn it into something that those originally reading this scripture back 2,000 years ago would have recognized the term that, that the apostles used and that Jesus used when he said minister. He would have said server. Yeah, that person who's cleaning up after your kids made a mess under their high chair at, you know, Golden Corral or Pizza Ranch. Yeah, that is what we are given. And that is a power tool of God. This sense of serving others, meeting people where they are and saying, how can I make your life better? How can I bring you things that satisfy you and feed you? How can I meet needs? You know, a good minister, a good server is the kind that doesn't ask, do you want a refill? The refills just show up. Sometimes I've looked down, I'm like, that cup was empty last time I looked at it, and I didn't even see them because they were so good. They're like, and just walk by. They are really, really good. I love that. Here's a little personal tip. It doesn't happen as much anymore, but if you're a server, don't do one of these. Hey, buddy, how can I help you today? Just stand up and talk, okay? It's just a little awkward, a little weird when you kneel down or sit down next to the person. That's just a hint that I've heard from many people. That's not the best way. And as Christians, it's kind of true with us as well. Sometimes we want to assume a closeness with people that we haven't earned. 
We want to get into their life in a way to tell them about Jesus, which is a great motivation. You want to connect, but sometimes we, especially us northerners, that isn't how people respond up here as easily. Maybe in the south, they'd be like, oh, yes, sweetheart, come on and sit down. Up here, we're like, who are you? And why do you assume you have the right to talk to me that way? So we want to be careful that as we minister to people, we serve them the way they need and prefer to be served. Not the way we want to serve them, not the way that fits us best, but the way that fits them well. We are ambassadors of Christ, trying to say, how do we connect with this culture in a way they will understand and receive it? I've heard too many people complain that, oh, I'm just persecuted. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus from me. There's just, there's just so much resistance to the gospel. And if you know the person, you're like, eh, I think it's resistance to you not so much the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether they're brash or oversharing <laughs> or make it all about them or one-upping others or something that we have used around the office here, Jesus juking people. Like, oh man, I was so, this is what that looks like. Okay, juke, Jesus juke. That like a football player would juke someone and get out of the way. Let's just say you're talking about the most recent football game that's coming up in a, uh, a week or so. And someone's saying, man, that game was so awesome. I was so excited about it. I loved it so much. Man, I was just jumping up and down. And here's a Jesus juke. Don't you think you should get that excited about Jesus? Now I'm mad at you, kind of mad at Jesus because of what you just said. And I don't like the football game anymore. Ugh. So when we minister... We meet people at their point of need, sometimes at, that, at their felt point of need, but we are there to serve them. Let me read what Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says. This is expanded on what we just read. And he, that's God, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a lot. But that's what ministry is meant to do. It produces this fullness that we become more and more like Christ. There's five different types of ministry listed here. There's many more ministries in the Bible, but these seem to be five that, that are called out and even throughout church history have been uh, recognized as specific important things. Now, some people believe people are called to be these things or they hold the office of them. Uh, what, what I tend to understand and see is that these are ways God can use a person, but it doesn't mean they are this forever. And I'll go through them real quick. Apostle. An apostle is someone who leads multiple churches. They oversee multiple churches, and there's a responsibility. Many times, apostles love to plant new churches, too. Say, what community doesn't have a church serving it? Let's go there and find a way to get a new church started. So that's an apostle. A prophet is someone who brings an encouraging word from God that is right now and relevant to you. Old Testament prophets were the kind that told the future, and many times called on down the judgment of God on those who disagreed. In the New Testament, we see prophecy is meant to encourage the church, to build the church up. I have had some prophetic words spoken over me by people moving in this gift of prophecy 
that has touched me right where I needed it. They shared something. They had no way of knowing that it meant anything to me, but the choice of words, the Holy Spirit inspired them to say, and it was powerful. And if you've ever been in one of those situations where you've received a word that was so right on from God, sometimes it comes through a sermon or a song or a personal time with talking and praying with someone. If you've ever experienced that, you know the power of the prophetic word of God to encourage you and to lead you along. It's a supernatural gift. The next is evangelist. Uh, Those are the people that are just great at sharing Jesus with those who don't know Jesus. An evangelist is just really good at it. They just are able to get through. I have a, a friend of mine that is an evangelist. He is just good at it. He's the kind that within five minutes of meeting someone can be talking to them about the eternal state of their soul and the person thanks them for it. If I tried to do that, people are like, you are weird. What, how dare you talk about that? And he just will pray with them right there at the checkout. Would you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now? Yes. And they pray at the checkout and he goes on. He has the gift of evangelist. Now we're all called to share Jesus with people, but some people, there's a special gift there of evangelist. The next is shepherd or pastor. Uh, this word only shows up, pastor only shows up about twice in the Bible. We use it as a title for the people leading in ministry. But the real best understanding of the word shepherd is someone who is a shepherd. It's that simple. A pastor is just a shepherd, someone who protects and feeds and leads and fights back the things that would hurt the flock. That's the role of a shepherd, a caregiver, a leader, a feeder, and a protector. And then a teacher, someone who clearly instructs others about the truths of the Lord, the truths of of life and how to understand the truth of God. So those five gifts God's given to the church to equip us for ministry. So none of us are all five of those things, okay? Maybe at different times in life, you might be in different seasons where you're using different ones, but none of us have all five of those, which I'm thankful for. Because then it shows we need each other in ministry. We need each other to be equipped. I need others to speak into my life. I need the prophetic spoken into my life from someone else. I need someone like my friend who's an evangelist. He inspires me and equips me to get better. Tells me the kinds of questions he asks and the way he encounters people. And then I get better at evangelism. We need apostles who will help oversee us. I'm so thankful Highland Church is an Assembly of God church. We're a part of the Assembly of God Fellowship. And we have incredible pastors that oversee us, that guide us and lead us. Pastor John Davis oversees Wisconsin and Northern Michigan. And he helps guide and protect and direct and see new churches planted. And I'm so thankful we're not just out here on our own, but we're part of a greater fellowship of believers with good leadership over us. We need teachers who make complex spiritual truths understandable and applicable to our lives. So at Highland Church, our vision is to equip all people to take the life-changing love of Jesus into every neighborhood that all will become fully devoted followers of Christ. So our goal as a church that we are all working towards is to equip one another to go out and share Jesus with people So they get to come in and be a part of the goodness of God, the love of Christ. And so that's our goal is that you would feel more equipped and you'd be part of the equipping. But it's not a passive role. 
The power of ministry is not passive. It's not something you just sit there and consume. We live in a, a world of consumers. I don't know if any of you saw this week, uh, Apple Vision Pro came out, this, this spatial computing, they call it, this ski goggles you put on your face that you interact with the world. And look at there's a giant screen in front of me in my living room. And it looks really cool. I mean, I want one, but I don't want to spend $3,500 for some ski goggles that let me compute in there. I don't need to be more isolated from the world around me because of technology. But what that does is it, it makes you a consumer. And we have been taught we are consumers. We've even been told, how do we help our nation out? Buy more stuff. Consume more. And it can make us very passive as though everyone else is creating things for us and then we consume them. But in the kingdom of God, we are contributors. We are the creative ones. We are the hands and feet of Jesus that get to contribute and be a part, be co-heirs, co-workers with God. 2 Timothy 2.15 was written by Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. And at this point, Paul's an old guy, and he's telling young Timothy how to step into this life of ministry, how to live out the power of ministry. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, but rightly handles the word of truth. It's almost like Paul was the master plumber and Timothy was the apprentice. And he's telling him this tool is for this, put this much pressure on it and no more because then you're busting the pipes and that's no good. Handle this well, learn about it. Learn what you're good at. Learn where you got to call someone else in because you're not great at that. Use this word of God well. And that's what God wants to encourage all of us, that we would study to show ourselves approved. All of you are called to ministry. Did you know that? All of you are called to ministry. Each and every one of you has a call of God to step in and use it. So we all are responsible to do our part to be ready for the ministry, to know the tools laid out on the table for the task at hand. But the first ministry that any of us are called to is ministry to the Lord. Before we serve anybody else, we are called to serve the Lord, to show up to his table and say, what can I get you today, Lord? What are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? What is your desire? That blows me away that I would have the opportunity to wait on the Lord like that, to serve him. I mean, if any of you have ever been a server and a fancy person comes in or a famous person, everyone's fighting for who gets them because you know the tip's going to be good. And just the fact that you had the opportunity to serve that person is, is special. Well, you and I are called to serve the Lord. And this is something that's happened for thousands and thousands of years for those that have followed the Lord. We read in Deuteronomy 10.8, At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord and stand before the Lord to minister to him and to bless in his name to this day. So the children of Israel, there were 12 tribes and the Levites were one of the tribe. That tribe got no land. Every other tribe got land in the promised land of, of Israel, but the Levites got no land. Their inheritance was the Lord. Their job was to be a nation of priests that served God. So 
I'm sure some of them were kind of bummed. They're like, what? No land? Land is worth something and we get no land. But they were called to be in the presence of the living God, to carry the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God everywhere they went. It was a high, holy calling to be a Levite. And did you know that the Bible now tells us, those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are now a nation of priests. We are now priests to the world. We are now the modern day Levites that have the inheritance, not on this earth, but at a spiritual inheritance. And we get to minister to the Lord. One of the easiest and best and most effective ways to minister to the Lord is worship. Like Pastor Bob was talking about this morning, as we got to worship the Lord in song, as we got to sing to him, we are blessing the Lord. We are serving at his table. We are building him a home. The Bible tells us God inhabits the praises of his people. So we know God is everywhere at once. He's omnipresent. But there's a special presence of God when his people gather. And there's even a more special presence of God when we worship him in spirit and in truth. We are building a throne. We are building a throne room for God to inhabit our praises. That's why praises are so important. That's why we start our service with praise and worship because it sets the environment of our hearts, but of the space, it gets God's attention in a special way. And it's not because God is so needy. I just wish someone would say something nice about me today. No. It's because what, it's what we're created to do. And you know, you want to be around people who want you around. Don't you? You don't want to be around those people who don't want you around. But those that want you around, you want to spend time with them. You want to hang out with them. You want to be with them. And that's what God wants. So we get to minister to the Lord through our worship, through our singing but through our prayer and through our presence and through our conversation with him, we are ministering unto the Lord. The Bible encourages us us not not to work unto human bosses because some of you, I bet, have bosses that you're like, oh, I don't want to make you one more penny because you are trouble. So we don't work for our human bosses. We work as unto the Lord. So your daily work, whether you're taking care of your kids at home, whether you're managing a store, whether you're driving a truck, whether you're cutting down a tree, you can be ministering unto the Lord through that action. All that we do can be a ministry unto the Lord. We see ministry to the Lord, something happening um, even before we know what we're doing. There was a little boy named Samuel, and Samuel's story is somewhat tragic and somewhat amazing and wonderful, which just about every good story is. It starts with loss and emptiness and sorrow, and it ends with the power of God being poured out and the anointing of the king that was after God's own heart. But Samuel's mother was barren. She had tried for years to have children. And she was unable to have any. Her husband had multiple wives and all the other wives had children. And those wives would mock her because she hadn't had children. And she went to the temple one day. Once a year, they would go to the temple to offer sacrifices. And she was at the front of the temple praying, kneeling down. And her mouth was moving, but no words were coming out. Because her heart was so filled with sorrow. She was just... 
calling out to the Lord in her heart, but without words to express the pain in her heart. And the priest comes up to her, Eli, and says, are you drunk? Are you drunk? Because the way she looked, the brokenness in her heart, he hadn't seen before. And he's like, this woman must be drunk. And she stumbled in here and is just mumbling away. She doesn't know what's going on. And she says, no, my desire is for the Lord to give me a child. And I want that so much that if the Lord answers this prayer, I will dedicate my firstborn child to the Lord's service. So within a year, she becomes pregnant, gives birth to little Samuel, and remembers her promise to the Lord, brings Samuel when he's old enough to the temple as a young boy, seven years old, maybe eight years old. Samuel is brought to the temple and lives at the temple from that day forward, ministering to the Lord. So he would help Eli. Eli was old. He could barely see anymore. And so, so little Samuel would be the gopher at the temple. He'd go get everything. Samuel would need something and, 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 or Eli would need something and Samuel would go get it. And and we read right here in 1 Samuel 3.1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord, that same word, serving the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no frequent vision. Samuel was ministering to the Lord and nobody was hearing the voice of the Lord. You might be going through a season like that right now where you're like, I'm trying to do what God wants. I'm trying to worship good. I'm trying to pray good. I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to fellowship with others. I'm trying to be kind and generous and, and nice. I'm trying to be a good person and I do not hear the voice of the Lord. What is going on? How come I cannot hear him? And Samuel didn't even know it was possible. He's so young, he doesn't even know that God speaks to people anymore. Eli the priest hadn't heard it. Eli's sons are rebellious. They're out doing horrible things, using the temple for their own personal gain. Ripping people off, selling forgiveness, selling sacrifice, rather than serving as the Levites were meant to do. And some of you know this story. I'll keep it brief. But Samuel is sleeping as a little boy and he hears his name, Samuel, Samuel. And he pops up and runs into Eli. What do you need, Eli? I'm here for you. I'm here to serve. Eli's waking up and he's like, what? I didn't call you. Go lay back down. And he goes and lays back down. And again, Samuel, Samuel. He pops up, runs into Eli. What do you need? I know I heard you this time. And Eli's like, I just fell back to sleep. Go lie down. He goes and lays down again, Samuel, Samuel. He pops up, runs to Eli. Finally, Eli clicks in his head. This man of God who's supposed to be equipping the next generation to be ministers to the people of God and to God himself. And he says, I think I know what's happening. I'm not calling your name. God is calling your name. You have ministered unto him and he now is speaking to you. And so you just say, next time God calls your name, you say, speak for your servant is listening. So Samuel, having been faithful to minister unto the Lord, hears his voice again, Samuel, Samuel. And he sits up as a little boy and says, speak. Your servant, your minister is listening. 
And God speaks to Samuel. He tells him some difficult things about the judgment of God coming, but also the potential of what could happen if people turned to the Lord. And Samuel then has to tell Eli the next day that judgment is coming on his house because he has not restrained his kids, but has allowed his kids to misuse the the kingdom of God for their own benefit. And then Samuel becomes the great high priest of Israel. He anoints Saul as the first king of Israel. He anoints David, the greatest king of Israel. He is used by God to bring the voice of God back to a generation. So if you're serving God, if you're involved in it, if you're worshiping him and you're not hearing his voice, just wait. He will call your name. He has a ministry for you. But first we minister unto the Lord, even before we know him fully, we can minister to him. Finally, we minister to each other. So it isn't just the Lord we minister, but we get to serve one another. We get to help each other out. God has always had a plan for people to love God and love people. In fact, that's called the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others as yourself. That first one it's, it's easier than the second one for most people. I can love God. He's awesome. I can love others as much as I take care of myself. As much as I spend on myself, I should spend on others. As much as I meet my own needs, I should meet the needs of others. Serve others the way you want to be served. Love others the way you love yourself. Mark 10, 40, 43b through 44 says this, whoever would be great among you, must be your servant. And whoever would be the first among you must be a slave to all. That word servant is the same as minister to serve others, but that word slave is really the same way we'd understand slave today. You no longer own your rights, but you've given them up to the Lord and to others. The difference here is that we get to choose that where so many of the, uh, the, the horrible slavery that we've seen in, in the Western world for 400 years, there was not a choice to enter into that servanthood, servitude, but it was forced through purchasing and beating and the thought that you could own another human. But this is saying that we are to have that mental attitude to serve others. This isn't easy stuff, is it? This isn't comfortable stuff. But we have the great example of Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but took on the nature of a servant, giving his life for us on the cross. And then we see his apostles, those men that followed him and walked with them. All but one of them gave their life as they ministered to others. And sometimes we just need a little bit of a course correction or a big course correction to say, hey, who are you living for? Who are you ministering the most here? One of the things you'll see here is this never talks about ministering to ourselves, does it? Talks about ministering to the Lord and ministering to others. Trusting God will meet all our needs according to his riches and glory. 
But that goes so against what we are told day after day. I'm not saying have bad mental health and and abuse your body and misuse yourself. No, we want to be healthy people, but not for our own ends, not so we're comfortable, not so we feel good, but so we can minister to the Lord and minister to others more effectively and more clearly. Paul even says, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to buffet this body. I'm going to make it buff, essentially, so I can serve people better. Not so I can impress the ladies. He never even got married. He was just there to serve others. And he's like, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to be an old man who's still pumping iron so I can use my body to serve people in need. So I can go anywhere God calls me to go. That we would minister to others. Colossians 3.16, last verse of the day, says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. So this is how we get to know our tools. This is how we understand ministry is to do these things. If we do these things, we will be ready to do this stuff because we can't do it on our own. You can't hype yourself up enough to minister to God and minister to others. You need to accept Christ's grace. And this is how we do that. It says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. So word of God, get in the Bible. Join us in our reading plan or find a plan that works for you, but read the Bible. Even if it's boring and confusing, get it in you. It's like eating good food for you. That may not be to your taste, but you develop a taste for it. The next is teaching and admonishing one another fellowship with others, connect with others, teach them, learn from them, encourage them, receive encouragement, fellowship with others. The next is singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, songs of worship. Sing to God. Even if your voice is garbage, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's looking at your heart, but we are called to do that. That will prepare you. That will help you understand how to use the tools God's called you to use with thanksgiving. Be grateful. Every day, say, what can I thank God for? What can I thank God for today? What has he done either today or in the last week or a thousand years ago that I can thank him for? Live a life of gratitude. And then finally, do it. Do it. It's with motion that balance comes. Like riding a bike, you don't get better at the tools unless you use the tools. So find a place you can start ministering to God and others. I mean, there's a lot of places around Highland. We'd love to help you get involved here and minister. But this is not, if all the ministry of your life happens in this building, you're missing out. There's a world out there that needs us to minister to them. God is with you everywhere you go. You can minister to him everywhere you go. So get that tool in your hand. Learn how to use it. Let sparks fly if you gotta. And start making a difference. Start getting rid of the junk in this world with the grace of God. Show up in the power of the Holy Spirit to love people, to serve Jesus and make a difference. God's given you the tools you need. The tools you need as as a church, he's given it to us. For our future, he's given it to us. He has things planned that we don't even know about, but he's laid out all the tools for us. Now it's our responsibility to agree with him to work with him, be a part of it, get in the word of God, fellowship with others, worship God, be grateful, and then start acting out those ministries and see what God does. Highland, I'm excited for 2024. 
Because I think God is sharpening us up. He's getting us ready for stuff we've never done before. You're going to be using ministry tools you've never used before. Or for some of you, they've been sitting on the shelf for years. Because at some point you used it and someone got hurt or you got hurt. And God's saying, oh, I, I've still got a plan for that. You know how to use that tool. And I want you to use it and find the joy and fulfillment of being called into the ministry I call you to. We are prepared for ministry. As we wrap it up in prayer here, I want to invite the worship team to come up. And maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life yet. You haven't become a Christian or the term that Jesus uses in the scripture. You haven't been born again. That your old life is gone and he's given you a new life. If you want to do that today, you want to accept Jesus as the leader of your life and the savior from your sins, I'm going to pray a simple prayer that we repent from our sins. Repent just means we're headed one way and we turn around and go the other way by the grace of God. And then ask Jesus to be the leader from this day forward. If you want to do that, pray that with me in your heart as I pray it out loud. Maybe you've been wandering. Maybe you just kind of left that following of Christ in your past, but you're starting to come back. Rededicate yourself this morning as I pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I need you. I know I've missed your mark of perfection, and I'm sorry. I repent of my sins. I turn away from doing those things that I shouldn't do and not doing the things I should. I don't know how to live right, but I need your help, and I choose to turn to you to accept your forgiveness and ask for your power within me to live right. I make you the Lord of my life today, the leader, the God of my life, and ask you, fill me with your Holy Spirit right now to be equipped for all that you have for me. I love you, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. And now, Lord, I pray your anointing on each one of us that this week, maybe even today before we leave this building, that you would show us some of the ministry you've called us to, some of the ministry you've prepared us to, or maybe just one more step we can take to be equipped for the work of the ministry. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Bob. Thanks for listening and please join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship service.